Good morning, everyone. How are you Good today? Good morning, Daniel. You doing well? Yeah, man. Good. So today, um, I'm speaking from James 2, verses 1 to 13. Uh, and if you're at the NIV, they're nicely labelled, nice little subheadings there. Uh, and the, the title of this one's called Favoritism Forbidden, but um, if you just read the title, it does give you a bit of an idea of what, what it's about, but um, I'm hoping we get more out of it than just what the title suggests uh, today. That's what I'm aiming for. Now, last time I preached was the first time I'd ever got up here and, and had that opportunity, and it was a real blessing, and um, I went away and re- reflected on that, and when I was asked to preach, then I was given freedom of choice of verses, and that was a real struggle for me this time. Uh, I was given the passage that I was preaching on, and it made it much easier. I was able to reflect on it for weeks and really spend time thinking about it and talk to people about it and um, poke and prod and find out what different people think, and I really uh, appreciated that, and I was able to look up different um, uh, different ministers' opinions, different, yeah, just a whole, whole range of different sources. Um, being a teacher, I, I like to uh, know what I'm talking about. I don't like to just get up and read something and say my opinion and that's it. I like to have a bit of an understanding of everything. So today, I'm not going to preach from the front like I did last time. <coughs> last time was really uncomfortable and even afterwards I was reflecting and I thought, it's not who I am. Who I am is actually, or part of who I am, is a teacher. And so I'm going to... Do today's sermon a little bit differently. I'm going to run this a bit more like uh, one of my lessons. So you, hopefully by the end of this, will get to see what uh, Mr. Sellen is like in the classroom. So we'll wait and see, and hopefully Colin behaves himself so I don't have to say anything, you know. But um, I'm, going to be, I'm just going to read through the passage, and one of the things that I um, was thinking about was I read a whole range of different... Um, I guess translations we call them, um, and in the verses that I was reading, I thought I really like the way that's phrased. I really like the way that's phrased. I think it puts it really well. And I said, "If you can show me an NIV version, I really like how the message says it. Maybe I should read a bit from there." Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through the NIV. It's 13 verses. It's not that much. And then I'm going to read through the message, uh, and it won't take that long. But when I do that, I'm going to give everyone uh, a pen and a piece of paper. And while I read through, I want you to listen and reflect. And what I'd like you to do is I want you to write down, if you can, at least three dot points out of what I'm reading. I want, I want to hear and see if you get the same three things out of this passage that I got. And we'll wait and see. Because I really like the way people's brains work and everyone thinks differently and people get different things. God speaks to people differently. Um, but I think it's also important to share that and share um, what, what we hear and what we get from God's Word as well. So if I can get some help, please. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and for those who answered questions correctly today as well, I've got bribes because... As a teacher, I'm not above bribery or whatever. Okay. So, you know, those who are contributing, I've got trucked up.
So just a bit of background before I start reading while things are being handed out. Um, James is talking about, so the book of James, um, as I've read through it and I've gone through our process, what John spoke about last week, I uh, also read through, I read through all of, all of James in kind of, I like context, so I think it's important to know what you're framing. Um, and what I really like about the book of James is that James gives us a lot of practical ways to live as Christians. And when he does it, he he's speaking to Jews, all of the tribes. He says at the start of James, he's speaking to all of the, the tribes who are scattered everywhere. Uh, all of the 12 tribes. And so he's, he's really talking to the, the, the Jewish people who have been scattered throughout. Um, but He's talking to the Gentiles as well, but what he does a lot is he uses um, old law and old references from uh, the Old Testament to help him uh, explain how we should be living as Christ and give us practical ways to live as Christ. So um, he's trying to teach us some life lessons on how to live like Christ. Now, as I read through this now, I'm going to read through quickly, or not, I'm going to read through the NIV and then I'm going to read through the message. So please, three points I would like, I'd like to see if you can get three points out of this. So, the NIV. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. It is not the rich, sorry, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For, 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 for whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles at just one point, is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And the message. So the message says, My dear friends, don't let public opinion influence how you live out our glorious, Christ-oriented faith. If a man enters your church wearing an expensive suit and a street person wearing rags comes in right after him and you say to the man in the suit, sit here, sir, this is the best seat in the house. And either ignore the street person or say, better sit here in the back row. Haven't you segregated God's children 
and proved that you are judges who cannot be trusted. Listen, dear friends, isn't it clear by now that God operates quite differently? He chose the world's down and out as the kingdom's first citizens, with full rights and privileges. The kingdom is promised to anyone who loves God. And here you are abusing these same citizens. Isn't it the high and mighty who exploit you, who use the courts to rob you blind? Aren't they the ones who scorn the name, the new name Christian used in baptisms? You do well when you complete the royal rule of the scriptures, love others as you love yourself. But if you play up to these so-called important people, you go against the rule and stand convicted by it. You can't pick and choose in these things, specialising in keeping one or two things in God's law and ignoring others. The same God who said don't commit adultery also said don't murder. If you don't commit adultery but go ahead and murder, do you think your non-adultery will cancel out your murder? No. You're a murderer, period. Talk and act like a person expecting to be judged by the rule that sets us free. For if you refuse to act kindly, you can hardly expect to be treated kindly. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. Alright, so I'm not sure if you can see the phrasing is a little bit different across both those uh, interpretations, uh, those uh, different versions of the same scripture. Just as different preacher would preach differently from those passages. But one of the things I really liked about them is that um, there's a lot we can get from both. And they both both have the same uh, same message. So, you've written down some things I'd like to hear. What did we get from those passages. What are what are some of the, the key points in those those passages? Um, don't favour the um, people based on their financial situation. Don't favour people. Um, because in particular, particularly the people we generally favour, the rich, um, they're the ones who are stealing from us. But we we t- we treat them better than the poor. Hmm. Those who are poor are rich in faith. Those who are poor are rich in faith. Yep. I like five to seven in the message says God operates differently. Yeah, I like that phrasing too. God operates differently. He goes against the grain, doesn't he? Alright. Um, is there anything else? Any, anything else that stood out? Uh, I think it was the NIV. The verse said, Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mm. Yeah. And that links perfectly with God operates differently. Alright, so my question to you now is what is favoritism? What's favoritism? Preferring someone or something over something else. Yeah, preferring someone or something over something else. So there's a comparison there, isn't there? It's not just. I like this one thing. It's I like this more than that. It's covetousness. What was that? It's covetousness. 
Um, so, when I googled favoritism, a definition, it said, the practice of giving unfair preferential treatment to one person or group at the expense of another. I like that phrasing because it says at the expense of another. When we favor, when we favor something, something misses out. Someone misses out. It's not without impact. Exactly. So, what does showing favoritism look like for us today? It may not be. It may not be just favoring someone who dresses better than someone else. It may not be so much a class thing anymore. We live in a world where the middle class is kind of pretty broad still. Um, And we're very aware of social issues. We're very aware of the fact that people are equal. Equality is pushed through everything. Um, So it might not be inequality in in that sense. So... who here knows? Who here can acknowledge something that they may favour? Well, I think we favour people who think the same as we do. Yeah. Especially in America now. You know, that's why things are so divided that mm. we don't want to listen to people who have a different opinion now. I mean, it's very difficult to listen to somebody who has a different opinion. Yeah. But so, I mean, that, that situation is splitting. Yeah, it splits the world at the moment. That's right. So we, we favour like-minded people. I favour You favour your grandchildren, yeah, for sure. And you might even favour your own children over someone else's children. Yeah, I think that's normal. Can I say something about friends, though? Yeah. I find that um, in today's world, um, certain groups are now being favoured over the general public. For example, if you go for a job, um, they will look at, um, because based on political correctness and what they have to present as a company to have an image, they might not take the person who has the right skills, but they will favour either someone based on their sexuality or on their gender, so that they can show that you know their company is 50% male, 50% or 25% LGBTQ. Yeah. And to some extent, that's that's terrible equality. Yeah, so I guess uh, what Shara's saying is that in society right now, favoritism is looking a bit one-sided, isn't it? It's looking a bit overcorrected. It's not so much equality, it's we're overcorrecting. And that, that's happening a lot in society too, yeah. Um, so, just to... Things that you might favour or, or you might show more attention or be more hospitable to these people. Um, you might be more hospitable to a minister, preacher, someone who's a leader in your church. You might show more attention or be more hospitable to your boss at work, someone who has influence on you uh, or over you. Uh, people who are easy to be around. Your friends. Um, it's much easier to be around those people, so I'm going to favour them. I'm going to favour spending time with them. Generous people. People who are generous. It's easy. Whether or not they're wealthy or not, maybe they're generous with time. Maybe they're just generous with listening. It's really easy to favour those people. Um, The people you know as opposed to the people you don't. Um, And even your own children, sometimes, you may not have a favourite child, but you may favour 
the behaviours that your children have. So maybe one child is a little bit more difficult than another. And so you're not necessarily favouring that child, but you, you favour the effort that you need to put in in that situation. Um, on the negative side of things, you may treat someone different um, if they're a different race or belief. Believe it or not, racism, that is still a thing. Uh, you may subconsciously do it. I see it quite a lot um, in the sporting world. You still see football teams that have one predominant cultural group on that team. Not because they're the best person for the job, but because, oh, we're a, we're a team of this, this cultural group. Um, someone who has a lower position or job in your workplace, you may not spend the time that you would with someone who's on the same level as you or someone who's maybe a bit higher than you, and again, subconsciously maybe. Uh, a homeless person or a person who, who you know, doesn't, doesn't have the same kind of impact on your life as someone who has a bit more power, just like the scriptures say. Or someone who has a different worldview or political agenda, just like Judy said. Someone who doesn't agree with the way that you particularly, uh, your belief system or your political views or any of those things. So why is it that we show favouritism in these situations? It's comfortable. Thank you, that was, the, that was the first one that I came up with too, I love it. It's comfortable. What else? Could I, I need to ask a clarifying question. Yeah. Um, is it wrong for me to look after my children better than your children? Hmm, that's a big question. Is it wrong for someone who's trained as a teacher to be employed as a teacher, or should we just buy, employ anyone on the street? Hmm. Or, if I go to a doctor, why shouldn't I go to the garbage trip club? So for me, there's, discrimi there's discrimination <laughs> there all the time. Mm. And our whole society is actually based on discrimination. You know, like which come from extended families. Uh, we're Australians as opposed to Russians. Um, whether we yeah, that, that's just a fact. That yeah. I don't know whether I should choose that or not. And that means that at the moment, the kind of information I'm going to get from about Russians is going to be very different uh, than other people would be getting about Russians. <coughs> so um, by listing all the places where there is discrimination, that doesn't help me. Mm. I mean, uh, the passage is saying, as fellow believers in Christ Jesus mm. our Lord, there should be no discrimination among us. So it's a discrimination in a select group for a for what reason? For yeah. what, what is the thing that we're not allowed to manifest amongst our community that is normally manifest in all relationships? Now that's the that's the tension. Yeah, and, and, and uh, I guess that's what I'm hoping to explore a bit more throughout throughout this. Um, I don't have an answer for you when it says, should I prioritise my family over someone else's? I do it. I'll always put my kids first. Sorry, but doesn't it say in the Bible, and I can't say where, but look after your own interests? Like, so to me, that's perfectly acceptable to be looking after your family. You can still care and give love and help yeah. in other families as you need. 
Yeah, I think the difference is when you, the people that you're caring for negatively impacts others. So this is like this example of, um, you know, you've got a seat, right? You've got a seat and we have two people that could sit down and you just pick the person who looks easier to sit in the front row and they'll go and sit right at the back. Me looking after my kids shouldn't negatively impact other people. Yeah. I guess if, like, I was coaching a soccer team and my son was in that team, like, picking him above everybody else, that's when it looks different, you know? Yeah. But me just looking after my kids on a daily basis won't negatively impact your children and the way you parent your children. Well, that's a hope anyway. <laughs> yeah, and you may not coach the team if, you, if your child wasn't in it as well. So there's there's context for all of those things. Can you, yeah, is it a difference between duty and discrimination? Definitely. It is my duty to look after my children because I brought them into the world. Mm-hmm. It's my duty to do these things, which isn't necessarily discriminating against someone else. It's also, you know, I I have a duty secondary to look after everybody else that is in my environment. Mm. But my primary duty is to my family. Yeah, and I guess that comes back to the definition that said uh, giving unfair preferential treatment to one person or group at the expense of another. Um, so that, that comes back to that. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to get back to my notes to help me get back on track as well. So sometimes it is hard. It's uncomfortable to make a choice that means that we're not showing favoritism. I want to suggest that it was harder for people back at biblical times when this message was going out. It's still hard for us now. But back then, like Richard pointed out, there's every cultural group, everyone has... Uh, favoritism kind of built ingrained into our lives but back then the different tribes the different towns cities people were at war, constant war uh, land was being taken left right and center um, that was a way of life back then if you um, were a Jew you had this expectation that this is this is my my right my future this is God is, God is looking after me. And the Gentiles were a different people. That's why they're constantly separated and defined differently throughout the Bible. Um, the rich and poor element, was that ever like, um, If you had someone, especially back then, who was, who was rich, would they financially benefit the, the community, the, the church community, where a poor person might... Um, the community more. So, yeah. That was another reason why they might show favoritism to them. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And um, I guess the next point I was going to make is that one of the things about the early church that was so radical and so different was when they came together like this, <coughs> people of different races, different countries, different um, cultural groups, different classes sat together and worshipped together, met together. And that was uncommon at the time. That was crazy to think that these people who were of different classes, different cultural groups, different uh, statuses, would sit next to each other with a common ground, common purpose. And this is one of the things that James is, is unpacking in, in this, these verses, is that um, the challenge of, well, this is happening. It's happening amongst you now. 
that there are people of different statuses, there are people of different um, different ways that they can contribute to the church or contribute to uh, you. But you aren't to show favoritism there. So um, people also, the other one I was going to mention was like lepers. So you may have a family member, but as soon as they got sick or were considered unclean, they were, shit, they were sent away. And it was for almost scientific reason that they were like, well, that's going to spread, so we don't want it to spread, so we're going to, we're going to send them off. And now I'm not saying we need to keep the infected amongst us and do so. There's ways of science and things that have changed over, over time where we're quite, um, we benefit from. But to care about those people, to think about them and their contribution to not favour or, I guess, show unfair um, favour to people at their expense is also something we need to think about. Now, I've got a little bit of a story here, and it's it's uh, to help, help us think about the way that we are as adults. So, in lockdown, I was at a park with Michael and Anna, and... We were the only kids, we were the only people at the park. There was no one else there. And it was just around the corner from her house. And we, we walked down and this another, another family came over, a mother with two kids. And they started playing, the kids started playing together. And I was sitting on this bench and thinking, do I tell the kids not to play with them? You know, COVID, you know, the kids, they don't understand. What do I do? No, just let them play, let them play. They haven't had this, you know. Um, and so I was letting, letting them play and they were just kind of away from each other and then they started playing with one another and the boy was similar in age to Micah and the girl was similar age to Leanna and they were having a great time and it was so nice to see them happy and playing and in a time where it was quite stressful and we were very isolated um, and I was, sitting on the, I was sitting on a bench and the mother, other mother was, the mother was sitting on a bench about two metres away from me and while our kids were playing really nicely uh, I sat there and was kind of like Avoiding eye contact. Do I want to talk to this mother? You know. Um, and the conversation between the kids with hearing Leanna go, Hey, my name's Leanna. Do you want to be my friend and play with me? Really, really made me think, what am I doing? Like, we're in isolation. We're in... This is, this is crazy. I, I, I need to have a conversation with this woman. Like, I need to, need to start a conversation. So I started talking to her. And it turns out that the boys went to preschool together for the last term, the term four, just before, before Michael started school. And the girls were to be going to preschool together at the end of the year. Um, funnily enough, Leanna and, and that little girl are, are great friends. Uh, it was really lovely. They came to uh, Leanna's birthday party. We went to their birthday party. We got to know the family and stuff from there. They live around the corner. Um, but my comfort, I put my comfort in that situation before a conversation. A conversation at a time where everyone was struggling, everyone was, you know. Um, yeah, and, and I, I probably would have been fine leaving that park and not having had that conversation. Probably wouldn't have. I negatively impacted my life at all, but um, I just love, I was really inspired by my kids and how they 
didn't have those walls or those preconceived notions of, you know, oh, is this is this going to be comfortable? Uh, is this going to be comfortable? Is this going to be something that I need to do? Um, you know, how does it benefit me having this conversation with this woman? Any of those thoughts that we just subconsciously process all the time. Um, and you know, you guys laughed when I said, "Oh, it's avoiding eye contact." And it happens. It happens at school, at sport. It happens all the time with kids. Um, do I want to talk to those parents? Um, so, kids are great because they don't have these these filters that we develop as adults. And we are, when we ask ourselves these questions, like, "What if they aren't nice? What if they don't want to talk? What if the conversation's awkward?" We're comfortable and caught up in our comfort zone. Um, but we're not called to be comfortable, are we? We're not called to be comfortable. And one of the things about favoritism and showing favoritism, and it, it can make us uncomfortable. Coming to church on a Sunday, <coughs> when the person up the front says, get into small groups and have this conversation, or here's some paper, write down your thoughts. Can make us uncomfortable. Right? But we're not called to be comfortable, we're called to be challenged, we're called to live Christ Christ like lives, to, to, to seek Christ in all we do. And if we're doing that, there's gonna be challenge. So I'm gonna move on to verse eight. And uh, verse eight reminds us to love our neighbour. What's that look like for you? What's that look like when it comes to favoritism? I've got one neighbour on one side who um, are a lovely, lovely young family, got kids similar age to us, uh, or one daughter, um, a new baby, and uh, they're similar, similar age to Rachel and I. Uh, turns out he went to Tyndale. Um, you know, he, they're Christians. Really easy to have a conversation with them. Um, so every time we're at the front, hey, how you going? Have a conversation, a bit of an update, you know, chat. The family on the other side, they're still a young family. They've got kids. But it's not as easy to have a conversation with them. They keep to themselves a lot more. They're friendly, very friendly people, but it's a bit, a bit more challenging for me to, to have that conversation. So They also homeschool all their teachers, and it's a bit weird. <laughs> that too. Um, but... It, we don't, we don't always see eye to eye on, on our beliefs and the way we do things, but it's really still, it's easier for me to have a conversation with the neighbours on my right to the neighbours on my left. Is that me showing favouritism? Maybe, maybe not. But it definitely puts me outside my comfort zone having a conversation with the, with the uh, family that homeschool next door. Um, so... What does love your neighbour look like? Well, if you've got easy neighbours, loving your neighbour can be easy. But we're not called just to love the people that live next door to us. We're called to love all of our neighbours and show that love. Now, I'm going to reflect on something John mentioned last week in his sermon. Uh, and he spoke really briefly about the Good Samaritan. And one of the things I was thinking about when I was reading these passages and um, was that the story of the Good Samaritan was really important because the Samaritans didn't like 
the Jewish people. They didn't. There's no reason for him to stop. The whole point of that story is that there were people who socially should have stopped and helped that man. And the Samaritan socially was the one you would have expected to walk across the road and ignore them. But he went above and beyond. He didn't show favoritism to a race or a group of people that he liked, that he spent time with, that he was invested. He had no social construct saying, I need to help this person. And that's why that story is really important and why why we need to um, why we need to um, reflect on that as well in, in this context. Verse 9 goes on uh, to say sorry I'll get my NIV back up because it actually breaks it down into verses. Verse 9 goes to say if you Really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you're doing right, but if you show favouritism and sin, you're convicted by the law as law breakers. One of the things James was talking about there is the Jewish people at the time were really caught up on following the law. They were really caught up on following, ticking boxes, doing the right thing, having their habits, their routines, their structures, their religious activities. And they were so used to following following the old law. And so what James does here is he puts it in the context of what Jesus has called us to do. And he says, how can you value these laws and not these ones? How can you prioritize these? Is murder as bad as favoritism? Well, in, if you were to go to uh, a court today and be like, oh, that person showed favoritism over that person, do you think they're going to be convicted of anything? They're not going to be convicted like a murderer. But that's not what the point of this is. It's not the point of, oh, if you're showing favoritism, you're as bad as a murderer. It's, it's the importance of following the rules, the laws, the things that Jesus has said to us and showing priority to those things and the value in those things. So it's a bit of a throwback to what we were learning about in Galatians when all those, all the Jewish people were going back to their old ways and following the law. So we need to understand the importance and seriousness of loving, loving your neighbour in that context. Um, Verse 13, verse 12 to 13, sorry. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has been merciful, has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, today's message isn't about treating the poor better or bringing someone down a peg. It's about the love and the equality God wants in the way we treat one another, the way we treat the people around us. To treat everyone with the same love, kindness, mercy and respect because it's by grace that we have been saved. It's grace, by grace we do the things that we do and 
one of the things I was mentioning at the start that I like about uh, the book of James is that we're pulling it apart and each week preaching on small passages, but it's written as a whole. And uh, the next the next verses or the next verse goes on to talk about faith and deeds and the way that we act, the, our, the things that we do, the practices we have. And as I said at the start, James is trying to teach us practical ways to do this. So I want you to think about, first of all, what is the law that gives freedom? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's the same law. Yeah. Uh, it's just that uh, is being faithful to the law giving freedom. But it may not be given. So it's. Uh, if you're using the law to. I think the, the danger I understand, especially in James, if you use the law to judge others, and don't use the law to judge yourself, you are abusing the law. But the law itself will be freedom if it's dealt with mercy. Mercy, with mercy. So it's not saying we don't care about the law. It's God's law. How can you not care about God's law? But the way you care isn't to judge others, is to, I think, throw scrutiny on yourself to see if you're being faithful. But then not use that as a basis of judgment. But the, I, I find that verse, the most frightening verse in the scripture. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who does not show mercy. Yeah, and I think that verse at the end there really um, really frames that passage, doesn't it? Um, so as we think about as we think about favoritism, the way that we ourselves behave, maybe the subconscious favoritism that we show, you know, that I showed Adelaide when she's being really cute and easy, and Leanna's having a tantrum, and I just want that space, and you know, that subconscious thing. This is easier. This is comfortable. Um, but who really needs my attention there? Who really needs my love in that situation? It's really easy to love someone who's been easy. Um, where's the mercy? In our judgment. So I'll read that first, that, the closing passage there again. Uh, James 2, 12 to 13. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So as we go out a week, my challenge for you is to show mercy, show love, be conscious of any favoritism, and think about where, where, where does God want me to be uncomfortable today? Yeah, we want the lollipops too. Look at the bus.